Hi, everyone, and welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity, culture, and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith, and I'm joined for the second time this week, funnily enough, by Alex Adams. Hi, Alex. Hi, Jai. How are you? Good. Again, I'm still getting used to this. I think I'm going to say this every time, but we live in a weird world through tiny screens, and I'm trying to come to terms with that. I think what you're trying to come to terms with is the fact that we're not drinking beers and wine together while yeah. we're bored with people that we, we would normally. But it, it has kind of opened us up to opportunity because we have interviewed people who don't live in Sydney, whereas that's something yep. that we didn't do yeah. before because, you know, we always wanted to interview them face-to-face. But we kind of yeah. are face-to-face, but it's FaceTime to FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> pixel to pixel. pixel. Anyway, um, so today's guest I've actually known for over 10 years. Before I started Eat, Drink, Play, there was a blog that I followed, uh, stumbled across and just followed it religiously called Barzine uh, by a man named Dan Kaufman. And he would, every week he would review a different bar around Sydney and somehow weave in something about his cat um, it was a terrible <laughs> date that he'd gone on and he had pseudonyms for all his different friends and you tried to piece them together and work out who was who. Uh, and it was always very entertaining. And then we met finally at an event and I sort of fangirled a little bit. I was like, you're Mr. Parzine. You're Miss Darlinghurst. And then we sort of became friends. And he's recently written a novel called Drowning in the Shallows, a quotation, uh, a novel about Sydney bars and cats. Very appropriate, Dan. Perfect. The show. <laughs> Well, there are only two things I know about, so it made sense. <laughs> well, look, we're, we're a match made in heaven because the two most important things in my life up until very recently were bars and cats. Still cats. Cats still alive. Perfect. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> so, Dan, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into writing originally. I know you would have told me this story over a few cocktails before, but, um, you know, before you started barsing, because you've written for newspapers and lots of different publications, how did you sort of get into this? How do I get into writing in general, not, not in yeah. terms of fiction? Uh, it's the only thing I could do. Uh, the general rule with journalism is that the only people who do it, at least they used to used to be the case, were the absolute freaks. You couldn't get a job in any other industry. And that's, <laughs> without joking, you know, journalism used to be the circus sideshow. Uh, it was the freak show. You know, we couldn't work normal office jobs. We couldn't do anything. Uh, I think the only other alternative is maybe commercial kitchens so it might be a little similar they used to be. It's just people who couldn't get work anywhere else. So that's really how I got into it. Uh, and now journalism became a little bit more formal and people started doing degrees. But, yeah, it was really mm. – and I went nice to work at the Sydney Morning Herald. People would just scream at each other constantly. Uh, and it hear stories of people throwing typewriters at each other. And, you know, <laughs> they, they, they weren't normal people. Uh, <laughs> And when I left journalism and I got an office job for the first time, I was shocked that no one yelled at each other. Uh, <laughs> so I really fell into it by accident. I always loved writing. Uh, and, yeah, I couldn't no, – no one would actually hire me for a normal job. So that's how I got into it. I started on magazines and then Sydney Morning Herald. And then I wrote uh, Barzine and, and my book. <laughs> and so Barzine has been – well, it would have been over 10 years because you had it – Adrian Plays – 10 years and you had Barzane before that. So, you know, that was kind of blogging back then. I mean, there's so many blogs out there now, but, you know, back then this idea of like an online review platform, blog style, you know, e-zine, whatever it was, like that just wasn't around back then. It was very, there weren't many people doing it. So what inspired you to go from print journalism and writing for newspapers to write a booze blog? Uh, pettiness. 
basically I was writing bar reviews for the Sydney Morning Herald. And then they decided they didn't want to pay me to get drunk. So I went, well, screw you. And so I still freelanced for other sections of the paper. But yeah, the, the good living section at the time, they just wouldn't pay me to get drunk. So me being petty, I just went, oh, okay, screw you. And I started bar scene. And it was really just out of pettiness. It wasn't meant to be big. It wasn't meant to go anywhere. Um, I was surprised when it grew. But it was the first bar blog, I think, uh, certainly in Sydney. Wow. Uh, not internationally, I'm sure, but in Sydney yeah, it was. It was. I think uh, I don't know any others that A, had started at the time that I'd come across. There was a lot of food bloggers out there, but there wasn't a bar blog. And there also not – I haven't come across one that's lasted this long as well. Mm. Yeah, the pettiness lasted a long time. Yeah. <laughs> pettiness to the extremes. Uh, this might be a dumb question to ask you two. Are there a lot of bar-only blogs, though? It's growing. I mean, Alex yeah. would know more about this than me now, but I, I was, no, every year or so I have a look and I get shocked at just how many mm. there are. And I think you bastards, I did it first. But yeah, Alex is more qualified than me now to answer that. There are. I think as more and more blogs and online platforms have come into the market, people have looked to specialise and have their niche. So, you know, there's blogs that are just about burgers. There's blogs that are just about fries, where to get the best fries (laughs) in Sydney, you know. And so there are are blogs out there that are just written about bars. Um, A lot of them tend to do bars and cocktails. So it'll be a combination of like, here's a great bar to check out. Here's an awesome cocktail recipe maybe a bar interview with, you know, a bartender or someone who's won some sort of award. Um, and I guess that's also a good way for them if they want to monetize that blog because let's face it, 10 years ago, you could make the, I don't, no one knew how to make money out of blogs or how to make out of money out of online publications. I didn't. Um, yeah, well, I, I certainly didn't back then. <laughs> but I think if you start incorporating pro- product, and let me know what you think on this, Dan, but if you start incorporating like product reviews and recipes, it kind of opens up an, a potential revenue channel for, for online publications. You're right. I'm just a schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of makes some stand out rather than others? Like from a writing point of view, you know, what, what's your process there, Dan? Uh, oh, it changed. I mean, when I started bars, you know, just right before the small bar movement. So there were no small bars. And that's another reason why I started right, because I knew yeah. they'd be launching in a, in a year or half a year. So I thought, oh, okay, you know, it's pettiness plus strategy. Uh, so, and, and I changed because when the small bars started, everything was new. So, you, you know, and there were so few bars in Sydney back then. There was a handful. Uh, so at that time, it was just anything new you would review. Whereas mm. now it's, it's, it's a lot different. You know, now you really do look for, toward the end of bars, you know, I looked for the bartender. I stopped actually following bars and I followed the bartenders. And right. to me, they made the bars. Sometimes the owners too, because that would often determine the quality of the cocktails and the atmosphere and the surface. But yeah, the mm. older uh, the older bar scene got to me it was more about yeah the bartenders and the, the quality of the service and the atmosphere. Uh, right. At the beginning, it was just you know, was it new? Were the women I could sleaze onto? <laughs> And so let's dive into the novel. So Drowning in the Shallows. What that made you think of my novel? <laughs> there's a picture of 
there's like a, a rather provocative, sexy-legged cartoon girl sitting <laughs> on the cover of the book um, with like a mustachio-tatted bartender with a cocktail shaker and what looks like a shadow of, is that you maybe walking into the bar? I don't know. It was actually. The design of someone I've known for 20 years he used to work at the Herald. Uh, so, yeah, he actually did make that. That was meant to be me, yeah. <laughs> we'll share a link somewhere for you to see it but um so drowning in the shallows is this the first novel you've written yeah i've written actually a few other failures that never got published but this is the first to actually get published uh i didn't expect it to get published but there you go even that process like i'd love to talk about the failure yeah. uh, you know as someone like I, i've studied journalism i've you know been writing for you know well over a decade and i feel like I've, i could have a book in me but the thought of writing such a long you know because i'm so used to writing short articles what's the process do you sort of map out where this your story is going to go or do you make it up as you go along what's your writing process oh look there are different ways and i've heard authors talk about completely different approaches so i'm just writers they go along and they don't know how to land other Mm -hmm. people map it out i've done different ones uh so i wrote a novel beforehand which i thought was like great masterpiece and i spent (laughs) more than 10 years on it and it almost got published. I got an agent and it, it almost, and then at the last minute it didn't. And then I went, well, me being petty, screw you. And I just wrote, uh, and it took me more than 10 years, but that, and I plotted that out and I mapped wow. it and I reworked it and I reworked it. And I still actually really like it, but I think no one else does. And uh, and then I went out of pettiness, screw this, and I just wrote Drowning in the Shallows in a year. Uh, and oh. I like it. I mean, then I went over and over and over. So, you know, I love every page of it. It isn't like I just, but to me, it was kind of a reaction where I just wanted to write something that was fun. And to be honest, a little light and trashy. Yeah. What is it like kind of, because we talk about this a lot. We talk about this, this fact that there's no map to creativity. There is no process for everyone. Um, How does it feel to kind of realize that there's something that sees more, you know, let's call it exterior success because, yeah, I think that intrinsic value is really important. But how does it feel to kind of make that switch? Is there something that's empowering about it or is it a little debilitating or is it something a bit of both? Well, I think everything in my life is debilitating, so I'm probably the wrong <laughs> person to ask. But, uh, Don't tell myself deprivation. <laughs> uh, for me, it, there was actually a freedom with writing this because unlike the other novel where it was about a whole different world, completely different characters, with this I set it in my world. You know, it's, it's what I call autofiction or what other people call autofiction where it looks like an autobiography but it isn't. And it's yeah. really basically that's one reason why I was have to write it so quickly. It was freeing. I just wrote about my world. You know, the characters are different, but this was the world I lived in. And it was kind mm. of fun. It was sort of, you know, I could throw in all of these absurd things that I saw. I could, you know, make the character really horrible and hideous. People would think that's me. And it was just fun. And I could make fun of, you know, basically my life. So yeah. there's a freedom in that, you know, and a freedom to a certain degree of making fun of the way. I act. Yeah, it, it is kind of. There's a very there's a there's a confidence with being able to turn around and look at yourself objectively and knowing where the edges are to to kind of have fun. Um, is there a plan for the first um, uh, novel you wrote? Do you do you want to do something with that now? Like, can you self publish it? Can you give it away for free? Like, what what does it? I want to know the creative weight that it that has on you. I. Uh... Well, I'm a fantasist, so in my fantasy world, 
Drowning in the Shallows will be a huge success because it's an amazing book. And then <laughs> once it becomes a Hollywood movie and, and I once maybe like a younger version of Leonardo DiCaprio plays the main character, after all of that, then I'm assuming, of course, my, my other novel will get picked up. And I live in a, a mansion because that's <laughs> that's my my shallow dream. Um, Love it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's my business plan. Yeah. Can't, my accountant doesn't approve, but that's my business plan. <laughs> that and lottery tickets. Yeah, always always a solid investment. <laughs> Dan, can you? I, I don't want to read out the back of the book. I want to hear it from you. Are you able to share with us what the the book Drowning in the Shallows is about? What is it actually about? It's about a heartbroken journalist. He has to write about bars and Sydney social scene for a newspaper. And he's just been dumped and he's, he's really actually shattered. And he's also completely clueless and inept. And so like a lot of guys, he tries to repair basically his broken heart and try and find the meaning of life by doing all the wrong things. Uh, and so to some degree, the book's a bit of a, a satire on sleazy malbehaviour. And I thought, actually, now is the fun time to do that. Well, mm. Before coronavirus, it was a fun time to do that. In terms of, you know, the Me Too movement. Mm. And I really did want to make fun of the way a lot of guys, most guys, to be honest, act. Uh, plus, I also wanted to write a lot about cats. So there's a big cat <laughs> character in basically every second chapter. So basically, it's about dating, Sydney social scene, and cats. And sleazy male behaviour. Very uh, topical in our culture. And <laughs> how did you go about, so you had the creative process of, like what did the day-to-day of writing this look like? Do you get up in the morning, have like your set, you know, computer that you work from and you do eight hours or is it like you do a couple hours a week? Like how do you write a novel in a year? It depends. Sometimes they'll just come, most of the time it just came out of me. Uh, mm. Never in the morning. But it'll be, you know, 10 o'clock at night, all of a sudden I'll just start writing. Uh, sometimes I'd go to sleep, I'd wake up and I'd get up and I'd start writing. Uh, the only time it became regular was more sort of half a year into it when all of a sudden yeah. you've started, you've got the structure, you've worked out the plot. To be honest, I didn't work out the plot at the beginning. And, uh, and then once I worked out the plot, I had to rework it and redo it again and restructure it. Uh, and that's when all of a sudden you become a lot more structured. You start setting time. And then I would start doing time, you know, midday or I'd do an hour in the book and an hour for my business and go back to the book and I'd alternate it. But at the beginning, it just came out of me. Yeah. And then and you talk- give it- Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> continue. I was going to say, and then you give it to an editor and how much did your editor edit it? <laughs> not much. And I'm not sure whether that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, yeah. Actually, not really at all, but I did edit the crap out of it myself. Uh, And I spent most of my life as an editor. That doesn't necessarily mean you can edit your own work. You really shouldn't. You should always get someone else to do it. Uh, But no, they were actually happy with it. So, you know, they they proofed it multiple times. Uh, I did have, I did get feedback though from a few editors I knew casually, you know, because I'm friends with a lot of editors. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I did make a huge, a couple of huge changes based on their feedback. Uh, so that was more uh, the feedback I've, I got before I submitted the book to a publisher that really made me change a lot of it, uh, you know. I mean, In terms of being an editor, being open to having your work edited, uh, first thing, question is like a functional one. Do you ask for what kind of editing you want through the writing process? 
And number two, depending on what that process is, do you need to prime yourself emotionally or because you know the work of editors, you're kind of used to it anyway? Um, I'm pretty used to it. So really the, the harsher and the worse the criticism, the better it is. Mm. Uh, so, you know, a big bit of criticism I received early on uh, actually hurt because it's the kind of criticism I used to give to my journalism students and, and I give when I teach workshops, which is don't mm. put yourself in the book. And even <laughs> if you have a narrator who speaks in the first person, you can do that too much. Yeah. And it, it is bad writing. And it's funny because I, I don't do it in my journalism. Uh, I tell other people don't do it, but I did it with my book. And that was one huge <laughs> rewrite, and I completely restructured that as a result. Uh, so, yeah, to answer your question, the, the worse the criticism, the better it is. You just you, sh- you have to learn to take it. Even if they say yeah. the book stinks. Uh, you know, actually, I said I wrote it in a year. I did write a different novel years and years and years and years back that I sent to someone, a friend of mine, he's also an editor, and he said, I just couldn't read it. Uh, it was just, you know. And, <laughs> and that actually made me really rethink it, and I took bits out. So, yeah, it's, it's actually good to have really hard, hard criticism. And it can hurt, but you just have to ride out the hurt. Uh, if you don't listen to it, then, you know, you're never going to be good. Is there, what, what, you know, because I think there's a, I certainly kind of my work have, have this conversation a lot, like, you know, prepare for the hurt. What what was kind of the thing, when, when did you start to realise that it is valuable to, to to be open to that kind of hurt? And how do you, what's what's your best advice for people who want to, who, who want to prime themselves emotionally for it? I think, well, first up, you can't, well, in terms of writing, you can't do it unless you're prepared for a world of hurt. Uh, yeah. I mean, the criticism actually is nothing. Having people rip you to shreds, that's nothing. That's the constant continual ejections that you really have to arm yourself for. In the creative industry? Uh, hmm? Isn't that anything in the creative industry? Possibly, possibly. <laughs> but uh, I heard that with writing, uh, you've got almost an equal chance of winning the lottery as you do of getting a book published. And it is extraordinarily. So I would have received not thousands of rejections. I'm, I'm talking thousands upon thousands upon thousands of rejections. So you have to kind of arm yourself. Um, but to answer your more direct question, uh, look, I started writing from the age of 18 full-time professionally because mm. uh, I did my uni degree at night while I was working. And I remember I was just getting screamed at by editors. You know, it was... You know, the movie Devil Wears Prada, that's nothing. I, I watched that movie and I honestly thought, what What the hell? I would love to have her as an editor. She was lovely. <laughs> she was so lovely. Uh, yeah. No, I, I basically learned from people screaming at me, and I mean screaming at me. Uh, so really, you kind of learn from a young age. If, if you start doing it at a young age, you learn from a young age, you just got to take it. And it's a good thing, and you just have to learn to take what, no, learn from it. Yeah. But at least that's the way. I'm not saying that's how every writer should learn, but that's how <laughs> I learned. I learned from a lot of people screaming at me and a lot of people <laughs> saying that's shit or what's wrong with you or I can't read this. <laughs> uh, and, and I've been writing for 25 years, so, you know, they're a little nicer now, but, yeah. <laughs> oh. But, I mean, yeah, I think any time, we've talked about this quite a lot over the, the last three seasons, but any time you're in the creative industry, you are opening, opening yourself up to vulnerability and any time you do that, you know, it, it, you can face potential hurt. 
and a bit of jab at the pride and um, <laughs> but hopefully it comes out for the better. And, you know, if those people hadn't given you that feedback, do you think that your novel would have been as good? Oh, God, no. I mean, I actually wouldn't have written this if not for, to be honest, I'm only remembering all of this now that you're asking questions, remembering <laughs> the way that one of the earlier to ripped apart a different earlier novel, uh, there's no way I would have written this. And then you take that approach to, you know, I take this approach to my writing where going through, you know, the multiple drafts of this book, because I wrote it in a year, but then I spent a long time after it's going over and over. If a page didn't make me, if a line didn't make me laugh, if it didn't make me think, I, it just, it would go. So, yeah. you know, and that's really, you just start taking that approach to your own work. Yeah. You know, if something isn't absolutely perfect, it's gone. Um, wow. So yeah, you kind of get to that point where, and it's and it's still fun to me. Editing is fun because you know it, it means mm. that you only distill what you actually like. So yeah. people might loathe my book, but I'll still like it. You know, because I'm not <laughs> happy with every word. Yeah. Almost. And so what's um, what's next then, Dan? So you've actually written the book, and unfortunately we're in COVID nineteen <laughs> lockdown, so it might have skewed your plans a little bit, but. I can imagine writing the book's the first hurdle, but then actually getting it read by people in this day and age when there's so much access to lots of different material would be another challenge, really. It's uh, it's a bit of a bitch, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, a lot of authors are doing the online book launch uh, and that that's really com- that's becoming common now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, half the reason I wrote the book is just to have a drunken book launch where I could you know, get smashed in free alcohol <laughs> and make a fool out of myself. And I'm thinking, well, that's gone. I don't know why I, I freaking wrote the book. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a tough run. I mean, at the moment, to be honest, I'm in the – the promotional stage where we've sent the book off to the papers and, you know, to blogs. And, and I, so right now I'm at the stage where you've got no, I've got no idea how it's going to go, uh, you know, or who will play, you know, play the main character in the Hollywood movie. I, I don't know yet. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, at the moment, I mean, that, uh, the, the stage draft has got no freaking idea and it could go either way. Wow. But, yeah, but, sorry, go on. If it goes well, would you do an audio? Like, would you do Audible and would you narrate it? No. Uh, I'm not sure anyone would actually want to hear my voice for the whole book. I tend to get a little grating after two minutes. I'm sure you would have noticed this by now. But uh, uh, I was just thinking it would be a great audio book because I'm, I kind of like hearing your voice in my head for this character. Like, I, th- I, I think there's something really special about writers narrating their own book. Well, I can call you every night before sleep if you'd like. Please do. You know, <laughs> uh, I've got a... I'll be reading the first three chapters of the book in a couple of weeks and they'll be on YouTube. And I've never read the book out loud before, so maybe I'll see how the first three chapters go and I'll take it from there. Uh, but I've had two people I know tell me that they're not going to buy the book unless it's on Audible. And I basically told them to go screw oh. themselves. I mean, a word away. Uh, but, uh, but maybe I will. Maybe I will. Yeah, I might. I might. Yeah. I'll use my dulcet tone. <laughs> And then just, um, I guess, one last question for me would be, would there be any advice that you would give to other creative writers who, uh, you know, maybe think that they've got a novel in them or, or even just want to start a blog or start writing in general? Um, what would be your sort of golden nugget of advice for them? Oh, God, I've got lots of bits of advice for that. The main one is don't freaking write anything unless it comes out of you. Uh, to be honest, I didn't coin that. But, uh, Charles Bukowski once said something along the lines that, 
you know, bookshelves are groaning under the weight of crappy books. Don't add another one to it. And I think <laughs> it's certainly the same with, with blogs. Uh, so the blogs that I read and like are the ones that come out of passion, you know, and the bloggers are really passionate about that, that topic and they have to write about it. Uh, and I think the same goes with fiction or I think with anything, you know, with music. I know some musicians where, you know, they'll, they'll only play because if they have to, it comes out of them. And I know others where they do it really just to try and get something marketable. And I always think, oh, you know, I think it really has to come out of you, like vomit. And if it doesn't, don't, don't do it, you know. That's love my it. Like Barzian, I loved doing that, you know. And I started to stop doing it and I stopped loving, loving it. I think that's a so, good point to finish on. If it doesn't come out of you like vomit, don't do it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's my... a good point there. Um, what do, a final question for me is, is what's your favourite bar? I thought you were going to talk to me about vomit. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, uh, I actually don't know how to answer that question. Uh, really, it's any bar that allows me in, I like. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I always love the Everly in Melbourne. Uh, always. That's one of my, my favourite bars of all time. I'll always love, even though it's been around for a long time now, O to V uh, in Sydney. I just adore that bar. And I also really love 1800 in Melbourne for their menu. They've got the best bar menu I've ever seen, where the menu is basically a Bible of cocktail recipes in history. Amazing. So as a cocktail nerd, I love those bars. Uh, but it, it, it varies, you know. I used to love Bar Americano in Melbourne. Uh, I used to really adore that because it was a bar where you could only fit, I think, 10 people maximum. And mm. it looked like something out of the 1920s. And that was my favourite mm. bar for a long time. Uh, but, yeah, it, it really varies. Uh, and every time I go to a new bar, I kind of go, oh, I really like that for I'm really fickle, <laughs> though. I keep changing. Oh, that sounds incredible. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan, for um, spending some time with us and sharing uh, sharing uh, your insights into the writing space. And thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Maker and Creator. You can find um, a whole heap of our episodes on the Facebook page, Your Good Get Better. Um, if you want to hit up myself and Jai, um, here's what are you, Jai? I've had a blank. At Jai Smith. <laughs> at Jai Smith. Was that double star code? Now it's at Jai Smith. So at Jai Smith and I'm um, Ms. Darlinghurst. You can uh, you can find us online. Let us know if there's someone that you know that's creative that we should be speaking to, some creative maker and creator out there. We'll be back next week. Thank, Thank you, you guys. very much. Bye. Yeah.